Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. And this is $2 Tuesday, the series where we talk about movies we haven't talked about before. Well, sort of. It's been a different kind of October, right? Week one, we talked about Candyman, which is the very first TikTok review for a film that I did about two years ago. So October 2nd, 2021 was my first in my car, TikTok review was Candyman. I decided to do something a little special for the anniversary. Week two was also another TikTok review I did last year when I saw it, Barbarian. I really just kind of wanted to explore what I thought was just so brilliant about that movie. Last week, we talked about Psycho. And I really just want to kind of dig into the MacGuffin. I think one of the most clever, you know, narrative devices in film. And I really just wanted to dig into that one. Well, this week, we're not talking about a specific movie. I'm going to be answering a question that I get quite a bit, which is, Savannah, why do you like scary movies? I get this question quite a lot. Um, Anyone who knows me, knows me well, or even follows me on any social media platform, horror, scary movies, is my genre of choice. I've been watching scary movies since I was very little, about five or six years old. The first scary movie I remember my mom bringing home for me to watch uh, was Leprechaun. And I can already see someone typing out, Leprechaun is not that scary to a five-year-old it is. That movie was terrifying. I didn't watch it again until I was 10. But it wasn't so terrifying that I stopped watching scary movies. There was something about it that I just enjoyed. There was a rush about it. And I want to answer those questions because I get this question a lot from other Christians. For those who don't know, I am a Christian. So it's always in the context of faith. How am I able to enjoy this in spite of my faith? I don't really think it's a one way or the other or in spite of or I've never felt any kind of conflict about it. So I know there are some people who can't engage in scary movies. There's some sort of internal conflict. I've never had that. I've never had that problem. And everybody's different. I don't know what to tell you, but I'm not here to justify scary movies or make a case for scary movies or say this is why everyone should love scary movies and this is why you should stop asking me this question. No, this is more of a reference, if anything. I want to be able to, you know, send somebody something when they ask me, Savannah, why do you like scary movies? I could just send them and be like, listening to this. There you go. Hopefully this answers your question. So I'm going to give you three reasons as to why I, Savannah, enjoy scary movies. 
And let me know in the comment section, why do you like scary movies? Or what is your favorite movie genre? And why do you like it? What does it do for you? Well, anywho, let's talk about it. Now, the horror genre has always been, you know, part of the industry itself. Now, the, the industry, the way the come ups of the industry, we don't have time for that. But you have the movies, little movies that were being made in like the late 1800s going into the 1900s. So the turn of the century, um, little scary movies that people would adapt from um, novels, short stories, even plays. You had some scary movies come about, you know, in the 20s, 30s, 40s. So Nosferatu, somewhere in the middle of there. Hitchcock was making movies in the middle of there. And then about the 50s and going into the 60s, you have the monster movies. The Mummy, Frankenstein, uh, what's the other one? Dracula, The Wolfman, and who is it? I think it's Stephen King references these movies a lot in some of his novels. Like The Wolfman and The Werewolf and whatnot being in the movie It. You know, a huge inspiration for him. And so horror has always had its place in the industry, but it, it really didn't kind of take off until the late 70s. Now, you had The Exorcist come out in the early 70s. I want to say 73. And it was huge at the time. It was insane. No one had ever done anything like that before. And while it was a commercial success, it didn't really put horror on the map. What put horror on the map would really just kind of sparked something, sparked inspiration, was Halloween. John Carpenter's Halloween, I want to say 1978. And then, you know, the sequel that came after and the multiple sequels. He's had a lot of things to say about those sequels. But again, that's another time. We get, you know, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. Wes Craven starts to become a household name in the mid 80s with Johnny Depp. And that's when it kind of just took off this new subgenre of horror. So horror has always been a thing, but it wasn't until the subgenre of horror, the teen slasher film, where things just boom. All of a sudden, it's mainstream. It's a big deal. Everyone's coming out with their own version of a Michael Myers. So that's how we get Jason. That's how we get Freddy. And then we get Chucky, who was my best friend till the end when I was younger. And I, I just... I love this genre. So number one, what what I think this is just basic as to why I love scary movies. I think for anyone who's answering this question, this is going to be the first thing that comes out of their mouth. I feel like this is common sense. Why do I like scary movies? Because I enjoy being scared. I, I enjoy the adrenaline rush that comes with being scared, that anticipation that you don't really know what's around the corner. You don't know what's coming. The way the music will speed up, slow down, kind of get under your skin, the low lighting, the crazy angles, the close-ups of one's face so you can see every little micro expression. I love the adrenaline rush that comes with being scared. It's fun. It's addictive. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I can hear some people saying, well, you know, that's bad, you know, living in fear. There's a big difference between walking in fear and being scared. Being scared, that's just a moment. It's just a moment. But walking in fear and living in fear, letting that be your mindset, that's something else entirely. I don't live my life like that. I don't, not in, you know, and. I've definitely had moments where I've been afraid or I've been fearful. And it's usually about things that are just very much reality, you know, money, friends, job, 
things like that, not knowing where my next meal was coming from. I've had moments such as those where I've been living in fear. But with scary movies, that, that anticipation of being scared, it's very controlled. You know, when I'm living in fear, I've had those moments where I've been walking or living in fear. It, it feels so out of control and I can't control it. But there's something about being in a horror movie or sitting in the audience for a horror movie where it's on my terms. You know, the, the fear is just a moment. It's not a lifestyle. It's just a moment. And once the movie's over and done, it's done. Now, there are some good movies that sit with you for, the, for a minute and you have to think about it and you talk about it. But for the most part, it's just a moment. And it's fun. It's a cute little adrenaline rush. And here's the thing about fear or being scared, these moments of fear that kind of just spike your blood pressure a little bit. Arousal and fear are two sides of the same coin. I'm going to let you stew on that one. Professionally speaking, I am a writer. Eat, sleep, breathe, write. It's what I do. It's it's what I am. I'm not really good at much of anything else, if I'm being particularly honest with you. Um, in terms of a skill or a hobby that I'm just good at and I excel at, I've always been a writer. It's very natural for me. So natural that I, that's how I ended up studying film. You're like, what does that have to do with natural? When it came to deciding what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, doing something that involved literature, English, writing was the obvious choice for me. And that made me so angry. I felt like because again, this was very innate, it was natural. It's, it's always been very natural for me when I'm feeling something, thinking something, whatever, to put pen to paper. You know, just out of nowhere, bored in class, writing a poem, writing a story, very natural and normal for me. It's, it's, it's almost an extension. It just made sense. So when choosing what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, the idea that I was going to be a writer for the rest of my life bothered me. Why? Because I felt like I didn't get a choice. This was the choice was made for me. I didn't really have the wisdom to understand that I was designed a specific way, that, that this was intentional in God's design for me. I didn't have that wisdom at that time. And I, so I rebelled against it. I took a film class in high school, loved it, and said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And that's how I ended up studying film and said, I want to be part of film production. Well, I get into film production, I think year two, my sophomore year. And we're actually, you know, you know, filming little small films, like five minute, you know, clips, like we're taking um, movie scenes and recreating them. And we're doing we're going all full out with a script, uh, lighting, set, acting, all that jazz. I hated setting up lights. It took us an entire class period. And this was like a two hour class to set up freaking lights. Hated it. Hated it so much. I ended up switching my concentration to media writing. So me running from writing, I end up learning how to write movie scripts. So just went right back to it's all full circle. What does that have to do with anything? So me being a writer, someone who loves writing, I've always loved writing scary stories. And I think the thing about writing a scary story or a story that's just a little supernatural in nature, there's a challenge in it because it always starts off just a simple genre until you take an unbelievable turn, but it has to be believable. It, it has to be just within just outside of reality, but within the realm of imagination. Not everyone can do that. And then seeing that play out on film, I've always enjoyed that skill. I think because the skill is so personal, something that I've always worked at, 
that that being able to stay within the realm of reality, but not crossing over to a point where it's just beyond imagination. I've always loved working at that and practicing that. So seeing it played out on the screen, which is something that horror basically does, I think that's one of the reasons why I've always loved this genre. It's it's a skill that's personal to me, something that I'm constantly working at because it really does take a special kind of skill. This is very different from your typical drama where you can kind of let the story unfold itself. You still have to do your basics, right? Create believable characters, good characters, clear antagonists, what have you, conflict. But horror has to take this to the next level because there's only, there's one goal here and that's, well, you have many goals, but the ultimate goal here is to scare your audience. And you can't just, you know, write a story and expect that to be scary. No, you have to act. You have to intentionally. You have to be very intentional. And I think the intentionality behind it and recognizing the skill behind the scenes, I've always loved that. I've always appreciated it and I've always respected it. Because here's the thing about horror, and I've mentioned this before, the secret to horror is character development. You have to create stories or characters, rather. You have to create characters that the audience will connect with, characters that the audience will like so that when things happen to them, you care. I think about the movie They Slash Them. This is an LGBT horror movie that came out on Peacock last summer. And it was awful, big, bad, terrible, terrible movie. But this was one of those movies that was created, you know, it was representation for representation's sake. It was to say, look, we, look, you know, fellow legitimate acquas, we have our own movie. That That's basically what it was. And it was terrible because one, here's the thing that really, um, you know, just bugged me a bit was the writer and director. This was his debut, his directorial debut, but he's not unseasoned. He, he is an Academy Award nominated screenwriter. And yet he failed to create characters that were properly fleshed out because the only thing that was really important about these characters was either their gender identity or their sexuality. The main character couldn't remember his name throughout the movie for nothing, but it was very clear this person is supposed to be trans and non-binary. Like that's all that seemed to matter. So these were characters that I'd never really got to know, didn't care about. They weren't fleshed out properly. They're very two-dimensional. So I really didn't care what happened to them, but it really didn't matter because this is supposed to be, you know, a slasher film taking place at a conversion camp and everyone you don't like from the very beginning dies. So it's a good thing that none of the main characters died because I I wouldn't have cared. But, you know, this is something that we've seen a bit in horror over the last couple of years where people are trying to create an anti-hero. And that's basically what this was. But it was such a poor excuse for a horror film because, number one, it was just completely unbelievable from the jump. I understand this is supposed to be a conversion camp, but there's nothing about it that I bought. It, it was just very unbelievable. It wasn't within the realm of reality and it did nothing for me, for me, someone who's very unfamiliar with this here environment or culture. It didn't stay within the realm of imagination. It, it was just too out there and it was too intentional in making sure that we had these types of characters instead of these personalities. You know, you have these types of characters. We want to make sure we check all the boxes off without really making sure they're whole people. And then we have this craptastic slasher who who can't even kill a camper. Don't tell me this is a horror movie, a slasher film taking place at a camp and none of the campers die. Like, what's the point? Why am I here? So that's what I'm saying. The, the key to horror movie, this first step is creating well thought out, well developed characters. Because if I don't care about your character, I don't care what happens to them. This is one of the pitfalls 
of Exorcist Believer that came out a couple of weeks ago. Because this takes, you know, this is about two families. And the second family, and I thought I was the only one, but I've listened to other reviews on YouTube, and they say the same thing, because I thought it was just me. They're, these characters, what was the point of that second family? There was absolutely no point to them. They were never fleshed out properly. We never got a chance to get to know them or connect with them. So by the time we get to the ending, the resolution of the film, what happened to them, I really didn't care. I wasn't sad about it. I wasn't emotional. Didn't mean anything to me. So, uh, I was very annoyed. And so good characters, good character development, and it doesn't take long. It doesn't take much. But you have to get beyond the stereotype. You have have to get beyond the caricature. And that's not easy. That's skill. And being a writer, I love the skill. I love the process. You know, I've talked in, you know, my different podcasts before how I hate heavy-handed direction. And I do. But the thing about horror films is that writing has to be heavy-handed. Everything has to be intentional. Because you have to create characters that I can connect with. A story that I, I can believe and that makes sense that's within the realm of reality but doesn't go beyond imagination stays within there so that when things happen, like, oh, I don't know, me running in the middle of Audubon Park, you know, like a normal human being and there's something behind me and I think it's a monster. That's not out of the realm of imagination, and it's still within the the bounds of reality. Now you have certain subgenres of horror that go completely out of reality. So you have dystopian horror, um, sci-fi horror, uh, art house. But even within these genres, these rules and archetypes, you're still within that circle of reality and imagination. So it's the skill. Because again, this is it has to be intentional. That's it's heavy handed writing. It's not just heavy handed direction, but it's heavy handed writing. Because you have again, you have to create characters that I can connect with, a story that's believable. And then you've got to figure out a way to scare me. That's skill. That's not easy. That's not something that just kind of comes about as you're writing, but it's about creating the proper atmosphere. It's about putting your characters in situations in which not only would they be scared, but I would be scared. Like, why are you going into that dark corner? We don't know what's, you don't know what's in that basement. I don't know what's in the basement. None of us knows what's in the basement. Like, why are you going down there? Or think barbarian. We're at, in an unfamiliar neighborhood. We can't see anything at the very beginning besides this house. It's the only thing that's lit on the street. So we're going into an unfamiliar house. There's an unfamiliar person in there. And this person is someone whom we recognize as a regular audience as someone who's typically scary in movies, Bill Skarsgård. And now we're in a house. We don't know what's in what room. We do know there's a basement, but we don't know what's in the basement. And all of a sudden there's this long hall. We don't know. We only know what she knows because we are following her. And we are following her because we want to. Why do we want to? Because we've connected with her. We've bonded with her. We've found some relatable in her that's the secret to it all create characters that your your audience can connect with so that when they go places you'll go with them and their unknown becomes your unknown i i love it i think it's such an interesting skill and it takes work and it takes patience ryan reynolds here from mint mobile With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And I don't know. I just appreciate it. I just love it. If you're on any social media platform, you've heard the phrase spicy romance. This is usually referring to erotica of some kind. Now, erotica has always been a thing, right? But it didn't really become really mainstream, you know, almost acceptable to admit, yeah, I read that until Fifty Shades of Grey. When it turns out, hey, a lot of women are reading these things. How I found out about Fifty Shades of Grey, my mama told me about it. I I was going through something. I was going through a lot around that time. Life was just upside down, hectic, and I don't know. I think my mom knew I needed to escape a little bit. So she's like 50 shades of gray. And it was exactly what I needed at the time. Now, why? It was an escape. It it was a way for me to work out my own demons in a safe place. So the big question for a lot of people is why are so many women drawn to dark romance, which is kind of the more spicy of the spicy romance. So um Books that involve trigger warnings. Why are so many women drawn to those things? And again, here's the thing about art in any form is it's always a reflection of the culture. And that's not always a good thing. The thing about dark romance is a lot of these men have in common is that they're very dominant. They're capable. They're protectors. They're providers. And with so many women who are working high pressure jobs, there's so much pressure on women to do everything, to do it all, to do all the things a man can do. And there's no room or time left for us to just be women. And you have a lot of that in your dark romance novels. You have women who are doing it all. And all of a sudden there's a man that comes in and gives her a little bit of relief. 
brings her back to her feminine side. There's so much there's so much effort in culture, and we're seeing this a lot in film, to take women and push them to masculine, away from their feminine. But dark romance novels, even at their most extreme, bring women back to their feminine. And a lot of women are itching for that, whether they want to say it out loud or not. There's a lot, there are a lot of women that we won't say it out loud, but they're tired. They're exhausted. They don't want to think. They want a man who's capable of doing all of the things and they trust him enough to submit to his control, his leadership, his dominance. Dark romance provides that outlet for a lot of women who are itching for something they can't have in real life. It's almost cathartic. And even for women who've been through some heinous things, they've been sexually assaulted, they've been abused. Dark romance features a lot of those things. And it's a way for women who've been through those things to make sense of what they've been through on their own terms. It's almost cathartic, which is kind of strange, right? But for a lot of women, they find almost a reprieve. It's a way for them to confront the darkness in their own lives, but on their own terms. To to get a little bit of healing in it, to see it from a different perspective, or even to see it from the right perspective. My point is, is that art in any shape or form has the tendency to be a bit cathartic. Sometimes art will reflect what's happening in the culture. I remember in the early 2000s, you had a lot of movies that were coming out and they were about terrorism or war. We just come out of 9-11 and our country was at war. So you had a lot of movies that were reflecting that. Why would we want to watch movies about war when we're in the middle of a war? Because it was so nonsensical. It, it, everything was happening so fast, even without social media the way we have it now. It was crazy. It was a crazy time. And film had a way of taking those things and slowing it down and allowing us to really kind of explore it and make sense of it. Film has the power to do that, to help us really understand ourselves, the world around us, our culture, our mindsets. It's not unusual for you to have a lot of horror movies come out and they're all about the same thing in one way or another, or they feature very similar themes. Think about Halloween, because right after Halloween, we get Halloween 2, we get you know, Friday the 13th, we get Nightmare on Elm Street. And these movies are very different from one another, the boogeyman's anyway, but these are very teen slasher movies. And it's no surprise that these movies come out right at the tail end, the very, very end of the sexual revolution and the Jesus revolution. So we have these movies dealing with purity and good and evil. It's a way for us to kind of make sense of what's happening around us and in our culture. No other genre, I think, does that better than horror movies because it's so extreme. Taking those big bad things in real life and making them the boogeyman. Think of Candyman, racial injustice in the early 90s. Candyman was the big bad boogeyman, racial injustice. He embodied that. The the evil that racial injustice does, how indiscriminate it is, it is, and how it hurts people. I think about the movie that came out last year, Smile. This movie is about trauma and how when we don't allow ourselves to heal or we refuse to let certain traumatic events in our lives heal or we don't let them go, we leave these open spaces and open doors for the outside to get in. Ring was kind of in that same vein as well, you had Barbarian. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how there is, I don't want to say a war on women, but we're dealing with some really 
crazy things right now that are just almost nonsensical. And the question that's popping up with respect to women is how we relate to men and what that looks like, our boundaries, you know, our our safety and safeguarding our dignity. Barbarian explores that. It's not unusual for horror movies to allow us to have these conversations in a very safe and controlled way. And a lot of movies do this, but I love the way horror does it. And I think because for me, it's a little bit personal. So when I was seven years old, this is 1995. So yes, seven going on eight. I was in the second grade. So by that time, from preschool to second grade, I had been in one, two, three, four different schools in two different cities. And I hated that. I don't think I've ever really talked with my mom about that. Or maybe I have. I don't know. But my early childhood felt a little unstable in that I, and this might seem like so minimal to some of you, but for me, this was a very big deal at the time. Never mind, you know, I'm seven years old. So my dad died like four years earlier, three or four years earlier. So there's that big, huge change and shift in my life. My mom had gotten remarried shortly thereafter. He wasn't a good dude. So we left him. So there's another shift in my life. And on top of that, I was going from school to school to school. I was at one school for preschool, one school for kindergarten, and one school for first grade, and then another school for second grade. But what I did have going from first and second grade was I was in the same after school program. So when I think about the friendships that I made in those early years, that's what I think about was my after school program. I really wasn't anywhere long enough in a school long enough to build any lasting friendships. I didn't have the thing that so many of my other peers had where they'd come into the new year with friends. I was always the new kid. And then in third grade, I remember having, you know, getting a little excited about third grade because I'm thinking I'm just going to go to the same school for third grade. But nope, we're moving again. And not only are we moving and I'm going to have to go to a new school, but I'm going to a new city. So we were living in Sumter, South Carolina at the time. We were getting ready to make the big move to Charlotte. And I just remember being really upset about it. I was starting to make friends in school. I had friends in my after school care. I was doing gymnastics. You know, it was like the La Petite Gym or whatever, but like it was gymnastics and I was tumbling and whatnot. And I was doing it with friends and it was fun. And I think it was through like our after school program or whatever, but it was something and it was mine. And now that was going to change. And it's, it's not like I would go to a different school and I would still see these kids in after school. I wouldn't see them anymore. I would have to go somewhere and start all, start all over again. There were so many things that were happening in my life around this time that were just out of my control. Now, again, this is 1995. And I remember we were going to Charlotte because my aunt was living in Charlotte at the time. And we were, I don't remember what we were doing in Charlotte. I don't remember if we were visiting her. I think there might've been something wrong with where we were living and we had to get out for like the weekend, something about that. But we were in a hotel and I remember seeing a commercial on TV for a movie called Village of the Damned, which I now know is a remake by John Carpenter. So it comes out in 1995, stars Christopher Reeves, Kirstie Alley, Mark Hamill, And I wanted to go see that movie. Now, again, I've been watching scary movies for like two, three years at this point. So my mom's like, yeah, let's go see it. I fell in love with this movie. To this day, this is my favorite movie of all time. Is it the best movie on the planet? Nope, but it's mine. I love this movie. And 
no one could really figure out why. What was it about this movie that I was just obsessed over? Never mind that I love Chucky. Never mind that I love Dolly Dearest. But there was something about this movie and me loving it so much that really bothered my mom. And to this day, it still confuses her. Like, why do you love this movie? And for the longest time, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. There's something about it. I just love it. And I've always loved this movie. So much so that, you know, when it came out on VHS, dating myself a little bit, um, Every weekend we went to Blockbuster and I would rent this movie. Like my mom would not buy it for me for on, you know, but she would let me rent it every weekend and I would watch it over and over and over again every weekend. I think I might have been in the sixth grade when my mom finally let me order it online and I got the VHS and I would watch it every weekend because that was the only time I had during the week to watch it. And... What was it about this movie? And when I think about it and I look back, again, this was a time in my life when so many things were happening and they were completely out of my control. And here is this movie about kids who are small like me and they're my size. They're, they're no different than me. They're right about my age and they're in complete control. Yeah, they're, you know, murderous little aliens, right? You know, killing people with their laser beam eyes, but they were in control. They were in control. There was something about that that made me feel empowered, which is a little twisted, right? But it was the idea of seeing kids who were just like me in a sense, and they had control and I didn't have any. This movie was necessary for me at that time. It it reminded me that I could have control, that I could be empowered. Not that I could go, you know, kill an entire town and set them on fire, but like I wasn't so helpless. It was necessary. And I think movies do that for a lot of people. You have a lot of different horror movies. Again, you have your your early slasher films talking about purity, good and evil. You have Candyman talking about um, racism. You know, the reboot, not reboot, but the uh, sequels to the Halloween franchise, the ones that come out in 2018, 2021, and 2022, which are all about trauma. A lot of horror movies touch on topics that don't make for good table conversation, but it's a way for us to have these conversations in silence. I think about um, The People Under the Stairs, Wes Craven, another favorite of mine, you know, about class and inequality. These things that are happening in real life and in real time that we don't always have great conversations about that... Sometimes we can't even articulate, but film has a way of doing that. And there's something about horror doing it. These things that are unpleasant, that are scary, that are weird. I think about the movie It, the one that came out in 2017, which touches on a lot of different things. So we have death. We have um, sexual abuse. Child sexual abuse in that movie. What else? Uh, Munchausen by proxy. So, you know, garden variety child abuse. We have racism. In that movie, this movie that created little different things, little ways for us to kind of connect and relate. Obesity, oddly enough, bullying. Horror movies have a way of taking these unpleasant things and allowing us to confront that boogeyman safely. And the beauty is we can always walk out if we choose, but at least we confronted it. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for tuning in. That was fun, y'all. So quick question for you. What is something you enjoy that people will sometimes give you a hard time for enjoying? Like, what is your thing that seems to boggle other people's minds? Let me know in a comment section somewhere. So what is coming up? So the schedule is kind of packed. I don't even know how I'm going to work it all or or when things are going to come out. So this Thursday, I will be seeing Friday Night at Freddy's. On Friday, I will be seeing Anatomy of a Fall. This is another movie that is getting some Oscar buzz. So we're getting into the Oscar films and I'm really excited. And then Sunday, another Oscar buzz movie, The Holdovers. I've not exactly sure when the official release date for that is. It's an early access showing. Um... AMC does this from time to time. I'm sure other theater chains do that as well, but I only have an A as far as theater chains go, I only have an AMC here. I think the closest theater chain would be a Cinemark in Gulfport. I think it's still there. I believe it's Cinemark. So yeah, we have Thursday is Friday Night at Freddy's. Friday is Anatomy of a Fall. Sunday, I'm seeing the holdovers. And then Thursday the second, I'm seeing Priscilla. I'm so excited. Tickets just went on sale today and I nabbed it super quick. And then Monday the 6th, I am seeing, I don't know what I'm seeing. It is AMC's Screen Unseen. So it's a mystery movie and they will not reveal the movie until the movie actually starts. So that was like a $5 ticket. Went ahead and nabbed that. Heck yeah. I have some guesses. I'm thinking it might, I'm, at first I was thinking, what if it's the Marvels? Because Marvels actually comes out that week which I already have a ticket for. So that's what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. The week after that, I believe it's the Hunger Games movie, which once those tickets go on sale, I will get that ticket as well. And then I basically have my Thanksgiving week planned out. I already have a ticket for Wish. I'm just waiting for tickets for Napoleon to go on sale. And then there's a week in between there, but I don't really know what's happening on that week at all. So, but I already know what I'm doing Thanksgiving week. So, and I'm staying home. I am originally from the Carolinas. My mom and my stepdad, they live in Lancaster, South Carolina. My aunt, I have an aunt in Charlotte. Charlotte. So Charlotte area is home base for me, but I never go home for Thanksgiving. I usually just chill out here. My roommates usually go different places. Um, two of them are local, I know. And then one of them, I think Baton Rouge. So I'll pretty much have the house to myself. Me and my roommate's cat. Basically, it'll be me and her. And um, yeah, I'm just going to like cook a nice little meal. I want to get a ham from like Honey Baked Hams. And it gives me time to get things done because the house will be quiet. I'll ha- be able to work longer. And again, like it's a good chunk of movies coming out around that time. So Wish and Napoleon on the same day. I can't wait to get those done. And yeah, that that's what's coming up. It's a lot. So if you follow me on YouTube, TikTok or Instagram, be on the lookout for my little TikTok reviews. I am starting to actually repurpose my TikTok reviews on YouTube. Here is my goal. Eventually, I want to get to a place where I can make bona fide TikTok, not TikTok, but YouTube videos. I don't have the equipment for that right now. So that's why I'm just like hustling so much, just trying to earn the money that so I can get what I need. What I need is a new laptop. Once I get a new laptop, I'll pretty much be set from there. Um, I probably need a new camera, stuff like that. Just little things. But what I already have, I have a, two displays because working from a laptop is difficult for me because I'm not used to it. I'm, I'm used to working from a screen. That's my jam. So uh, yeah. That's the goal eventually. I'm hoping by the first of the year, that's when I'm going to start season two of this podcast. And we'll go into 2024 with new movies. And I'm hoping by then I'll be able to do 
just regular video reviews. Until then, what I'm going to be doing is repurposing my TikTok videos on YouTube, and that includes my reviews and any kind of commentary that I do. So yeah, that, that shall be exciting, and I'm looking forward to all of the things. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your spooky season. Go raid a spirit Halloween on my behalf. Love you much. Thank you for listening again. Like, comment, and subscribe. And I will see you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.